Across the Park podcast is proud to be sponsored by Globe Gas and Heating. For the best kitchen and bathroom renovations, boiler servicing and repair, and central and underfloor heating in the Northwest, head over to globecentralheating.com and quote Across the Park for a free quote. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Across the Park podcast, episode two of twenty three twenty four. The housewives will be happy. Look who's back, Judgey. Welcome back, lads. How's your summer been? Cheers, mate. Yeah, it's um, it was a lot better without the football. Like, <laughs> yeah, having decl- a back ruining my life. It's declined, so. declined since. Long time viewers will know Gary's been away on on Aldi for for a few weeks. We had some really good guests in the meantime, but we're back. As a duo going forward, we're going to be moaning, going to be crying, going to be sulking all season by the looks of it. We hope you like, share and subscribe on this episode. But thanks as always, you've seen on the intro to our amazing sponsors, Globe Gas and Heating and also Vair Clothing as well. Uh, we can't do this without you recording in the amazing Podcafe studios. So thanks to you guys for like, share and subscribing and thanks, thanks to our sponsors as always. Judgy, Everton and back. Well and truly back, they stood up as only Everton could yesterday. It was Aston Villa four, Everton nil. We were talking yesterday briefly on, on WhatsApp, and some of the Evertonians' our initial our initial reaction to it was sort of a lack of fight, a lack of energy. Do you think any differently? Twenty four hours on? No, not in general. I think um, no, the, the performance itself, yeah, it was it was epitomised. I think by the the the, the lack of quality on the ball and off the ball, there was some. Remarkably um, poor mistakes um, out of possession, but we were just we were just as bad in, in possession as well. Mm. I think you know we we carved out a few opportunities, but there was you know that lack of cutting edge. Look, football <clears throat> football's a simple game when you break it down. It's about your your actions in both boxes, isn't it? And and you know there's some really poor actions when we were defending in our box, and it was just some there was a lack of um, conviction and quality in their box and. You know, there was a lot that went on in between that, but but putting it simply, that's that that's where we are at the moment as a team. We're not good enough. We're not good enough to be in this league. If you're going to be honest, that that eleven, those eleven players, that type of performance is not good enough for the Premier League, and we deserve to be rock bottom of the league. And hopefully, off the field, we can start to address that in the coming weeks. I don't know we're going to get onto that, but yeah, it's it was a um, it was a reality check, wasn't it? You say, you say football can be simple, and I agree with that. And I also agree with the fact that in both boxes, you have to be a lot better than what we were. For me, if you haven't got the quality, which we haven't in both boxes, at least be hard to beat. At least give teams a game. If Everton ran around yesterday, and it was just a case of talent, if Everton ran, ran around and, and give 100%, the problem is, I think, two games in, and I really hope this is just a blip, but two games in, I'm not seeing that. Well, no, you're right, and I think that the Nakers, I would tell you that. I mean, I haven't seen the running stats for yesterday, and I think they would have dipped as the game went on because we looked like he had less and less energy almost with every minute. But I think at the start, we did look like we wanted to run around, or we were trying to do that. We were trying to press them higher up the pitch. I just think there was a lack of cohesion there. You know, when we were going and pressing, we weren't pressing in sufficient numbers mm. to actually win the ball back off them. There wasn't really that certainty if that was the right thing to do. Um I wouldn't say it was, and I might be way short of the mark here if the, the actual data tells me that. I don't think there was a lack of running there. I just think there was a lack of belief in what we what we were trying to do. And I think the second thing for me, 
And I think this was a naked eye thing. I think the players look drained. I think mm. they look really tired. And, and I'm not I'm not giving them excuses here because, you know, at the end of the day, they were poor, as I say, on and off the ball. But I, I spoke to a few lads who went to the game. I, was, I wasn't there yesterday. Didn't get back off, off holiday till fairly late on, on Saturday. But I spoke to a few who watched the warm-up and they said they look really jaded and really tired. And I do know a few people who used to work under, under Sean's eyes at Burnley and, and, and they said to me, during the summer, look, don't be surprised to see the team come out the blocks a little bit slower than than you used to because his pre-seasons are notoriously tough mm. and that can lead to players being more tired in the opening games. But, you know, you reap the benefits as the season goes on. That's a concerning statement for me for two reasons. One, um, that, you know, if it leads to two games where, where we're getting beat by an aggregate of five goals and we're not scoring, you know, the confidence that that breeds then for the future games. But the second one is... We, this squad is not the squad that we expect or we hope to see come into the winter months, September, October, because we still expect to see a little bit of business being done. So you're then going to be ended up with maybe three, four or five of your players. They're not at the same fitness levels as the rest of the squad. Mm. It just, it, there's so many alarm bells for me and it's not entirely the manager's fault, not entirely the player's fault. In fact, I actually thought in my head coming into this podcast, there's three parties involved here. There's the recruitment team led by Kevin Thelwell, the Sean Dyche and his team is in the management and it's the players. And the order of fault I would place at the moment would be Kevin Thelwell, number one, in his recruitment team for not, as you say, pre, you know, recruiting enough quality into this squad. Mm. Number <clears> two <throat> would be the players probably. And number three would be Sean Dyche. Although if I had more of an insight into what's going on off the pitch, I might flip those two around. But without doubt, the number one culprit for what we're seeing on the pitch at the moment you know, lies at the door of... The, the, the leadership of the club and, and the recruitment of Kevin Thelwell. The, the Thelwell one <clears throat> is really interesting because there's a narrative out there that he's he's trying to get players in. There's a number of, of names that we were linked with last summer. I think Kudus and then Suleiman are in, in January and, and people are pointing to, look, he's identifying players, but the club, for whatever reason, aren't, aren't able to do those deals. He's also identifying players now. The, the Shea Adams thing, now Shea Adams, if he comes in, good luck. Yeah, we, we do need a striker. You're telling me for fifteen million pounds, there's no one better out there than Chad Adams. It's 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 a lazy, lazy signing. And the second point of of that is, if he was the target, get him in, get him in July first when that FFP, um, well, sorry, when the when the accounts change and you can start using this year's money, get him then. That's my that's my biggest criticism is the lack of homework that have been done on these so-called targets. So it's not just the job of identifying a player. It's the job of going and doing your homework on that player, whether that's you doing it personally or whether it's your you know, your various people who are out in the field or picking up the phone and, and speaking to the agent, speaking to the, the you know, the manager of that player, speaking to former managers. You should know by doing that homework whether that target is attainable, whether the club can afford them, and whether that person wants to come to the club. Mm. How many times have we been linked with players this summer who have outright said, I don't want to go to Everton? Like that, that that's embarrassing. That's not Adams. Adams will come, and Southampton will sell. I know. But the point is, if that and, and that's what you're getting to there. If Che Adams was a target, there he said, look, that fits the profile, the type of player we want. Che Adams wants to move. We know there's a valuation there. Get the deal done early. <laughs> yeah. Like that. That's that's the bit I agree with wholly, wholeheartedly. And I know that Evertonians was, and that would point if we done it and we operated in that manner. It, it sends a message to not only the rest of the clubs out there in terms of the way we're going to deal, but also sends a message out to the other players out there that we're not just, you know, shooting in the dark and we're not just trying to just go for anyone and everyone because that's what it looks like now. Mm. I mean, you you put a... a, a they're going on to one now. It, it, it says that we're likely to go more towards 30 million. 
Leeds do not want to sell this player, yeah. so either start being aggressive earlier. Yeah. You're tricking now to what a week left of the transfer window. And we ended the season, me and you went for a pint. We didn't celebrate the Bournemouth one. We said, we can't go through this again. Go and get a striker. We're playing Dobber and Morpay yesterday. No disrespect to the Dobber and Morpay, mm. but that, that's not where we need to. We can't be playing those players and improving. And again, the Thelwell point is a really good point. Things needed to happen for this football club to be safe this season. They've not yet happened, have they? Kevin Thelwell, for the last part of last season, should have been doing what he's doing now. Mm. And doing his own work, getting he knew what what type of money he was working with. We haven't sold anyone really for significant money in the summer window. Okay, we got rid of a bit of Deadwood. <clears throat> a few players have been out of contract. He knew pretty much nailed on what the budget was going to be. He also should have known which players he was maybe going to move on. There's still rumours, you know, beneath the surface that Anana might go late in the window. That's even not good enough. No, because we know full well that if a big comes in, we'll sell we'll sell him. We will sell him. And then you and go then to happens? another club with a pa- big pay packet fund, and they know what you've got. And the premium goes up because it's later the window and you know you're armed with money. Yeah. It's and it, it is, look, it's it's a, it's concerning. There's, there's very little cause for optimism, including <coughs> the deals that might still got, get done for the reason that, again, these players are coming in ill-prepared. You've got, you know, Chimiti didn't even get on the bench because he's not ready, in mm. Sean Deitch's words. Yeah. What, what, what was the point in getting him so late in the window then? He would have been close to ready, wouldn't he, as we got him at the start of the summer. And if he was a player... All right, the argument would be from Felwell, who's one for the future. Fine, but at least give him a pre-season, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, uh, I think you could go on all day about it, but going back to the the game in particular, I still lay the blame at the man who was meant to put the tools in front of the manager to, to be able to do his job. Um, But, I, I mean, go, let's go back to the start of the game, briefly, if you don't mind. And I 15 seconds at, a corner, straight away, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, you're straight away on the back foot, but... What I was going to say is, I looked at that eleven and thought it's not bad that, and I think he, I think it was even comment from one of the, one of the um, commentators who were covering the game saying, I looked at that eleven, and it looks fairly strong outside of you know the benches. Obviously, we did. Yeah, I remember. It's yeah. a fairly strong eleven, and and that's it. That's an outsider saying that on paper it does look fairly strong, but it just looks so disjointed and and so um, so lacking in ideas, doesn't it? And, it's 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 been like that. For ages, we've got a question. So we invited some social media questions this week. So thanks for, for, for sending them. We've got a question on, on that. We've also, we're going to speak about Michael Keane as well because the, the listeners have asked us to talk about Michael Keane. But when I was doing my notes this morning, there was a cup of tea thinking about what, what I wanted to speak to you about. A couple of players stood out for me who I expected more from in the early part of the season. The early part of the season is two games. So I'm not overreacting here, but I'm looking at Everton versus Fulham. And Aston Villa versus Everton. It's not Barcelona versus Everton or Real Madrid versus Everton. It's games that we should be competitive in. And the Fulham game we were. But I think these two players still didn't play well last week either. First one being Nathan Patterson. I'm excited by him when I look at the attributes and I look at parts of his game. I don't know whether the manager is restricting what he does going forward. He seems to be very, very deep. Willian gave him a hell of a game uh, on the opening game of the season. We were lucky Willian got subbed, I think, because he was getting torn apart. He wasn't very good yesterday. He mm. seems to not be... A really great defender. And if you play Nathan Patterson, for me, you're playing him because of his output. If you're taking that away from him, it's not really a fit. It's not working. Victim of the system, without doubt for me. And and the personnel that are picked to play alongside him or in front of him. Mm. I mean, <clears throat> I think James Garner is another player who I expected a lot of coming into the season. I don't think he's performed badly. If anything, he was one of the ones who tried to make his mark on the game to some extent yesterday. But if you're a Nathan Patterson... You want a player in front of you who's going to be there to combine with you. I mean, that's the way he plays 
for his, for his country. Yeah. That's the way he's played, as you've alluded to, when he's played well for us. He's got someone to go and work with and go and get on the overlap from. No one's in front of him when he gets the ball. Mm. He's only really got that pass inside the pitch because that's where the players are. And he's playing it into that, that inside, and it's just coming right back to him. I really feel sorry for him, to be honest. The second pass, so when you're a fullback, and I don't want to overanalyze this, you pick it up, you open your body up, and your first target, if you can, is to try and get it into the front man. You'll always look for the furthest pass forward and the most direct one. If you can't, you look to link with your winger, and your last one is, okay, I'll go inside then. Yeah. He literally has got two of those options completely off the table already. calvert was obviously on the pitch for a short period of time yesterday, but when he was, he was he was very central and, and variably standing in between two centre-backs. So that's a bit of a percentage ball. He looks on his outside, he's got no one wide of him at any time. He looks inside and he's got a kind of guy who you do, wouldn't really trust with the ball, mm. apart from to bounce it back to your centre-backs. You've got Michael Keane, again, you wouldn't really trust no. with the ball. So he's having to go back to Jordan Pickford or he's having to try and push forward with the ball himself with, with limited options. So in possession, I feel sorry for him. Out of possession, we're playing so narrow that again, he's, he's, he's often 2v1 in, you know, against them. Or he's having to cover 30 yards of ground to get out to that player before he even engages with him. At that point, he's already on the back foot. I've played fullback, not at the level that Nathan Paston's playing with, but I would not like to be playing in that team of fullback at the moment. Mm. So like you, I've got to, I'm disappointed with his performances, but I do feel really sorry for him. There's mitigation there. Another yeah. player I wanted to speak about who I was excited by going to this season, I thought he's had... His first season in England where he showed flashes of being a good player, not all the time. And we spoke about this player and you've said he's a young player. You don't get, it's very rare you get a full season at that age of, of really high performances. I thought this season would get more out of him. He was invisible yesterday and he's invisible a lot for me. Amadou Onana. Yeah. I've said there about Patterson not being a fit, but you've came back and said it, it's maybe just a system. Oh, no, no, I don't see it. I, I just mm. don't. And, and I don't want to criticise young footballers, especially a young footballer who's had a bit of abuse, which we don't condone on, on social media. That won't stop me giving my opinion on, on him being yeah. a footballer. Okay, but I know Belgium fans rave over him. He's, made his, his, he's got caps for Belgium and their journalists raved over him. And again, there's been flashes last season of me. He's a good player. It's not for me. He, he doesn't fit this, does not fit this Everton team. We don't need him and he doesn't need us. Yeah, I, I agree with that last statement wholeheartedly. I think it's um, I don't think it's a good fit for him as a player right now. Uh, I, again, I don't want to harp on about the system again. I, I don't think it's it helps him being in there. I don't think it helps him having a lack of creative players who are on his wavelength. I think he's better than us, but I also don't think that he looks like a player who justifies that price tag and, and no. the and the clubs that are necessarily touted with buying him and and the reputation that comes with him. I think he's got to roll the sleeves up a little bit. I get I get the. Not on the impression where I get the feedback from the training ground that, he, that he's having himself a lot of the time, and yeah. that he, that he, you know, he, he, you know, he kind of um, he expects more of himself or thinks he's better than he is. But but the ultimate, you know, statement at the moment is he, his performances are not living up to expectation, regardless of his age. He come he come with a decent reputation, as you say. He showed flashes last year. Most neutral fans see him as a threat. Mm. I'm not seeing that threat. I think he gets in the area and very rarely gets on the ends of things. I think when he does get on the ends of things, he, again, is is one of the biggest um, biggest culprits of, of lack and conviction. And I don't think he, I don't think he influences the game off the ball. I don't think he fouls people enough anymore. I think when he first come in, he was constantly getting yellow cards and whatever. I don't mind that from a player who's playing the middle. Yeah, yeah, he didn't lay leggy glove, and yeah. didn't lay a glove on any of them yesterday. And, yeah. and for me, you can talk about the system all along. But if you're playing. All day long, sorry. If you're playing centre mid, 
and you're playing in a game like that was yesterday and you've got John McGinn who's who's in 10 yards of space every time he gets the ball, you just go, you know what, if I go and stick with him and go and make things difficult for him, I'm going to make a difference, I'm going to make a stamp on this game. Not enough players on that pitch yesterday took individual responsibility and he was one of the biggest culprits of that on and off the ball. Like I said, the social media questions are flooded in and, and they've asked about Michael Keane. Before we do get to social media, we'll cover that in a, in a whole section. <clears throat> Excuse me. The manager was praising Lewis Dobbin's performance uh, yesterday. He, he said Dobbin came on at half-time and, and gave us something different. He was direct and he played with that freedom that youngsters have. Mm. And he sort of indicated that Dobbin might get more minutes now going forwards. We'll preview Wolves at the end of the show, but do you see Dobbin now being more of a permanent fixture in, in the match day squad? I mean, why wouldn't he, for a start? Um, and two, I think that would be a breath of fresh air for someone like a Nathan Patterson because you know what you're going to get from him. You know you've got that outball of playing it down the line and yeah. know that he's got the pace to get onto it you know you've got someone who can get from one end of the pitch to the other because he's got bags of energy and he's you know he's quick so I don't see why not I think ultimately I think that was a double edged statement if you like from Deitch to say to Kevin Thelwell that you know that is literally what I'm, I'm working with yeah. I can't do nothing but play Lewis Dobbin but also I think it's it's a credit to the fact that he come on and he, he just done the basics well the first time he got the ball he, he went and beat his man and got to the byline I don't think any of the other players whether it be wide players or forward players managed to do that in the whole game mm. um, so yeah I, I think it's a it's a reflection of where we are obviously it's a little bit of a a, a nod to, to Lewis Dobbin but yeah if we don't make any more signings I'd be surprised if he doesn't start against Wolves to be honest these Twitter questions came in <coughs> in bulk um, in relation to Michael Keane um, I picked a couple out uh, Fair Play Man and Paul, uh, they basically asked, why does Dice stick with Michael Keane? Michael Keane was pulled out of the Everton team for the most important four games last season. Why is he back in? Better the devil you know. It's it's a, the old, one of the oldest sayings in, in life, isn't it? But that is the only thing I can think. Is he knows what he will get and what he won't get from Michael Keane. The problem is, both of those things at the moment are causing the problem. What you will get from Michael Keane is mistakes. <laughs> what, you will, what, you, what you will get from Michael Keane is indecisiveness what you will get from Michael Keane is when the chips are down he, he literally disintegrates and disappears and just you can almost see him getting smaller and smaller and almost inches coming off his height with every minute and there, there are three things you can't coach out of him he's naturally just he's naturally he's going naturally to be like that he's got a weak mentality yeah, yeah. he's got a weak mentality and fortunately for him he's playing alongside the player <clears> who's the opposite in, in Tarkovsky and he stands up and is counted. Listen, you get mistakes from him, you get mistakes from any player, but he's honest, he's physical, he's aggressive, and he's decisive. You don't get that from Michael Keane, and, and that will be the death of Sean Dyche if he, if he persists yeah. with it. I've got no no doubt about that. We can talk about Kevin Thelwell and whatever, but that is that is a decision that's completely, you know, under his control. It's To a lesser extent, I liken it to the Benitez and Rondon. Like it was, yeah. they, why are you playing runs on? Why are you playing runs on when we've got Dobbin or we've got you know Sims? It was always, and we're getting to that point now with Dice, where they. I was on the show last week with Joe Thomas, and I, and I've been reminded of this today. I I said last week on the show, I don't think Michael Keane will be the reason of Everton go down this season. I think he'd be okay, and I've been reminded of that today. Mm. I've changed my mind within a week. Um, 
I've watched my whole game for four or five or six years he's been at us and I've never ever really been impressed apart from short times where Carlo played a really low block and he was mm. no danger there because he had two other men either side of him I'm not going to say Tarkowski played well yesterday and he didn't but I've got no problem in Tarkowski coming back in next week and doing the same again because it's it's a bad game it'd be a bad game but that's but I, I'm talking Keane being a bad player yeah that's it and, and you're right there and, and listen to Sean Zaitch's comments after the game he, he was the first point out that look most of our players have had an off day there but as you say and, and you're completely right that's not an off day for Michael Keane that's more like what we see from him consistently yeah and for him to not identify that individually but also not for him not to identify the impact he has on the rest of the team that's it yeah is just unforgivable yeah. it is unforgivable <clears throat> and I had a bit of respect for Sean Dyche when he dropped him in the end last season because he dropped him at a critical time when it could have backfired and it, but he did it and you know it, it obviously had the opposite. It, you know it, it had a positive impact on the team and, and Yeri Mina coming in, but it wasn't almost. I don't think it was as such the Yeri Mina impact. Although I, you know I loved the bones of Yeri Mina. I thought he was a brilliant player for us when he plays. I think it was just the fact that Michael Kim wasn't in the team for the, play, for the players around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've got two players there that look w- without doubt will have their faults. Two players that are young for centre backs, and 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 for that reason will. You know, um, will be a risk, but Jared ben- Jared Brantwhite has played at a higher level and more consistent level in one season <coughs> on loan than Michael Keane has in his yeah. whole career at Everton. Yeah, Godfrey Ben Godfrey, um, although he, he certainly has had a really difficult twelve months with us, has got better physical attributes and a better mentality than Michael Keane will ever have, and I think both of those players. You know, with their potential, you could see being at Everton for, for quite a period of time. We're now risking potentially losing one, if not both of them, by keeping Michael Keane in that team. But two, going back to it, I think we're really seriously jeopardising Everton's place in the league if, if he stays in that team. Mm-hmm. And and the last one for me, and you've got to recognise this as a manager and a person, is that the fans almost... Oh, there's like a... Yeah. There's a collective groan every time he makes a mistake and unfortunately whether that's right or wrong on the fans behalf he's got to identify that that's not helping the rest of the players it's not helping Michael Keane he's got to take most of the firing line there's no yeah. two ways about it and if you're Jared Branthwaite and you've come back from a successful loan period at PSV are you not expecting a chance? if you're Jared Branthwaite you're on the phone to your agent saying get me out yeah, of here I'm not getting in one here. Because yeah, I'm not playing ahead of someone Michael, my, like Michael Keane. But two, I'm now potentially going to come into the team under immense pressure, playing for a team at the bottom of the league. That's not where you want to be, is it? Yeah. As as any player, let alone a young defender who's trying to learn his craft. Look how difficult John Stones found it mm. in a team that was struggling at the time, and and he hated it in the end. He's having to tell a park end to calm down. <laughs> yeah. He's a similar player to that, isn't he, Jared Brantwaite? Yeah. From what you can see, um, so. Yeah, again, I, this is the, the the moan and groan podcast here, but it's um, you know, when you're talking about Michael Keane, it's hard not to moan, and, and it really is. It gets you down when you see his name on the team sheet, and it doesn't get much better once the game kicks off. I know. We're sorry for everyone who's listening. We are moaning a lot. We really <laughs> hope the next episode will be a lot better if we have and beat Wolves. But we are reacting to obviously a very bad defeat. Another social media question: Judge, who came in from Carlos on Twitter, Everton have looked stale for for a number of years now. He says there hasn't been a manager who implemented a style or a pattern of play since Marco Silva, and I include Carlo in that. What will it take for a hard reset? Is it relegation? 
Not that he wants. I doubt he wants relegation. Yeah, but I mean, is, is, is that so what it takes? Your, to... your definition of a hard reset is in football is, is relegation. Yeah, probably yeah. relegation or or actual <clears throat> um, liquidation. Do you agree with that? With the there's been no real style since Listen, Marco Silva. Every, everyone knows who's, fo- who's followed or listened to this podcast for a number of years how, how highly I rated Marco Silva as a coach, not as a man manager. And he made some poor decisions, and he was very stubborn or whatever. But as a coach. I fully agree with um, the, the listener or the follower there. He's the last it? one to cut Carlos. He's the last one yeah. for you to come in and say, I'm going to change things. This is not not yeah. change things. This is the way we're going to play. And, and and whether that pattern or whether that style worked, which it didn't at times, and you know it, it got us some heavy defeats, not least at Anfield, one of the worst I've seen. There was no doubt what he was trying to do. And I think the players knew what he was trying to do. And and I made the, the comments every time we come out of international break where he has a good 10, 10 days to two weeks with that team, they always come out better. Mm. He was the manager where I seen most changes if there was going to be tweaks at half time that has a positive impact. So so yeah, I agree with that. I'm not I'm not waxing lyrical about Marco Silva here, but I think I think the lad's right that we that we've you know, we we, we have lacked a coach slash manager with any real conviction or any backbone to, to want to change the style. Now, you know, say, say, making a statement that Carlo's got no backbone or he's not good enough it is wrong. But I think what Carlo came in and done is similar to what at a different level, what Dice is trying to do, he's trying to work with what he's got. Mm. He, he, you know, Carlo Ancelotti is not a notoriously, you know, notorious for, for having a deep line, but he knew that the players <laughs> he had there couldn't play a high line. Yeah. So this is the way I'm a good manager at trying to help teams win games. And I think Sean Dyche is a good manager at helping teams avoid defeat mm. as opposed to winning games. But, you know, he's, he's been operating long enough in the Premiership to, you know, to show that that he can grind out results with with, with mediocre players, but he's he's up against a different animal. He's not only got mediocre players; he's got players with a weak mentality and the mediocre. So it's um it, it's to some extent it's a thankless task, but I couldn't agree more with him. And, and in terms of the hard reset, unfortunately, that probably is relegation. Yeah, or it's going back to well, wait, let's bring a coach in then who's going to try and you yeah. know implement a style. But what will probably lead to there though is relegation as well because that coach is probably not going to get results out of trying to enforce a style on a team that are, that are not capable of implementing it if I piggyback <clears throat> onto Carlos's question there you've, you've said that maybe bringing another coach in now I understand Dice is there to do a job his, his job is to keep Everton safe mm. Benitez's job is to try and keep Everton safe Allardyce's was there's a certain level we roll the dice on Carlo and, and Marco Silva like Carlos has said there was probably the, the only manager Who's been, who said like well, how do we change this yeah. everything here and we'll yeah. go on your culture to do that again and try and have some sort of success in this world of FFP would it be a Graham Potter if if hypothetically it doesn't work out with Sean's ice would you trust I, I, Graham I'll Potter honest, to say start again I don't want to start talking like that already I really don't and I, and I know people might criticise go I'm not it's not that I don't want to criticise the manager I just think clearly in my opinion the directive and the objective of Sean Dyches, keep us in the Premier League, make sure we don't go down, get us through this F- FFP period, and that's it. So therefore, exactly, yeah. so therefore, Graham Potter isn't the man. If that's the, if that's the job, it's not because he won't come in and do that. He'll come in and and try and instill a certain mentality, a way of playing. Those players are not capable of that, and I can't see us being able to sign the five or six players and sell five or six players that's going to get us to that point. So no, I don't think that is the answer given what the objective is right now. Okay. Unfortunately. Um, Liam's put a question in, again on, on Twitter. Um, we've sort of covered it, but I'll, I'll go back over it a little bit so we can just touch on it. Um, he said, 
does anybody know what they're doing? We've come into this season again without the striker that we need. We've also not got a centre-half in what we need. Alarm bells for me. I think we'll be in trouble. What do you think? Couldn't agree more, yeah. <laughs> I think we just pretty much said it. No, he's spot on. Does anyone know what they're doing? I think play, some people know what they want to do. Look, we don't we don't have all the answers, do we, in terms of what constraints certain people are working under. But I can only put it that I feel as though the job of, you know, whatever whatever Kevin Thelwell's role as director of football, head of recruitment, all of those things, his job is to identify targets that are going to fit the profile of the team or the type of player that Sean Dyche was to, wants to keep this team in the league. If Sean Dyche has said to Kevin Thelwell or between them, they said, this is the type of player we want, and he's not even come close to securing them, then he doesn't know what he's doing now. Um, if there's certain things that have gone on behind the scenes that we're not aware of that have conspired against them, which I'm sure he'll say they will, then fair enough. But I don't, I don't see what them things are. I don't think any of them, any excuse I can think of is not good enough, apart from him doing all his work and then suddenly out of nowhere someone saying, oh no, we've got five million less than that. Go and work with that as a budget. Mm. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I can't see how it wasn't. Kevin, you've got forty million to work with. Sean, what players do you need? I want all right. I want a centre back. I want a winger. I want a forward. Okay, go go and do your work. If that was what was presented to Kevin Thelwell, and he's got the information from the manager of the type of player he needs, then Kevin Thelwell's clearly failed. If Sean Dyche is not t- telling Kevin Thelwell who he wants, which I don't believe is the case. Then um, you know he doesn't know what he's doing, but it doesn't. You know, Sean Zeich has said, hasn't he, since May? I know what we need. Uh, you know, we need we need yeah. this, and and we're gonna get. We're not gonna work hard to get that done. It was a bit of a damning press conference after the Bournemouth game from Zeich, wasn't it? Like I, I told them what we need. Whether I can get it is, is, and if I don't get it, I've told them where we'll be. Yeah, and and do you know what? I, I thought it was a disclaimer. <laughs> And I still think he's working hard to justify that disclaimer. I think bringing on Yango off the bench for a couple of minutes is a disclaimer. Mm. I think praising, you know, Dobbin, who is a League One player, whether we like it or not, he's performed okay in League One, but he's not performed well enough that championship teams have come in to sign him. What does that tell you? Mm. So I think those the, the statements like that and and the the body language, the the words he's using, the way he's speaking at all to say this is not my problem. This. You know, I'm only working with what I've got, and what I've got isn't good enough. Danny on Twitter again. Um, he's asked about <laughs> Shea Adams or Shea Adams. I wasn't going to read this out because it was a bit of a, a moan, but I do think it gives us a chance. To, so I do, it's in Keefen. I do think it gives us a chance to maybe talk about what he can bring. Yeah. But he's basically said Shea Adams, great, another striker who can't score goals. Why? Um. Uh, look, I, I'm not going to start getting on the defensive of, of Che Adams because I don't think it's about him per se, and I don't think that's what um, our followers getting at. I think he's just saying like, why are we are we back in here again for another striker? There's two answers to that. One, you don't get a proven Premier League goal scorer who gets you one and two for less than forty, fifty million. Mm. Let's be honest, that's that's a fact of the matter. Um, you, you know, I guess you would argue, let's go and find someone from abroad. But we've done that with Chimiti. We've got a young up-and-coming striker who could potentially be a top forward in the future. You can't get two of them. I think if he's only got 15 million to spend, and you know, and, and he's got to get a, or, so he's, he's maybe got 30, 40 million to spend, and he's got to get a winger and a forward. Someone, something's got to give there, hasn't it? Whether it's the winger or the forward. If I'm Sean Dyche and Kevin Thelwell, I'm looking at it and going. Whether I like it or not, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a vet, is a good Premier League striker when he's fit. 
Chimiti is a half decent backup. Now I can't spend me thirty million on a another proven Premier League striker and and get a bang average winger because that means we haven't really got any wingers apart from Dwight McNeil. Yeah. So he can only work at what he's got budget wise. And I think whether we like it or not. Che Adams, che Adams is as good as we're going to get for that budget. So Fifteen million is the budget. Then Che Adams, on that definition, is a good signing for me. You you watch a lot more football than me. I probably assume that you've watched the Southampton games this season. So if we're not going to get a number of goals from Che Adams, what what will he bring this Everton team? Look, I think I think one thing I'll say, and and I'll, I'm obviously on the record. As I was going to say I'll go on the record, but I'm saying it now. If we sign Che Adams, he will without doubt in my mind get us ten goals if because. The reason being is that he's better than Morpai in terms of, um, and that's not, guess that's not a compliment. <laughs> One in terms of scoring goals, but he's got more to his game. He, he can shoot from outside the area. I mean, it, I think one of his goals he scored for Southampton was like 40, 45 yards out. So he's got more tools in his armoury. He's had to use those tools at Southampton because the service, whether we like it or not, has not been great at times, apart from set plays. He's not a dominant Calvert-Lewin because I think he's only 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, he's only a little bit taller than me. So he's more of a, a kind of batter and ram. But you you play the ball, and if you're a, you know, we've spoke a little bit about Nathan Patterson, you play a ball, you know, at chest height, mid-height into Che Adams, he'll make the ball stick or he'll win a free kick because he's tough and he's strong and he's aggressive. You put a ball into the channels, he's faster than most forwards, he'll get onto it, hold the ball up, bring other players into it. Other Everton players score more goals because Che Adams plays for us? I, I absolutely think that's the case, yeah. Okay. And, you know, as early against for Southampton, I think it's fair to say the manager knows he's moving on. He's been using them sparingly. He's brought, I think he scored two off the bench, maybe, but he's definitely got a couple. Um, I've watched those games, and, and he looks head and shoulders above what we've got in there at the moment. And that includes a 60-70% fit on the Calvert-Learn. I think he's I think he's better than that. Um, so, I personally think, look, he's certainly not top of my list. He wouldn't even be in the top 10 if the budget was there. Or top twenty, I'll be honest, but it isn't. And for fifteen million, I think it's as good as we're going to get. Okay, we have one last question from Andy, but I'm going to end the show on it because it, it takes us into the Wolves game. Um, so that's the end of the social media section. Before we do move on to the um, the Wolves preview, the Everton away end and the Everton family in general, the past week have just been, and the Aston Villa fans and Liverpool football club as well, and their fans have been. Unbelievable in relation to the Michael Jones um, tribute, the, the big banner in, in the away ends. I think there was another one as well. I think both clubs have gone down there and, and, and laid you know, flowers and shown the respects. And I think it's important to say as a football fan in this city, when things like that happen, we do come together. And um, I didn't know Michael. I know people who knew him. And I've seen how they've been affected. Um, there's plans next sun- or pl- plans this Sunday at 2pm at the Dixie Dean statue to go down and raise blue balloons at the ground and then the brick are going to host sandwiches and pints and you know things and celebrate Michael's life on Sunday so anyone is local in the city and wants to go down by all means please do but I did think it was important just to say the Everton fans Liverpool fans and Aston Villa fans have been nothing short of amazing the past week um, the question I did want to say Judgy from Andy is going into the Wolves game um, he wants to know if the Wolves game as all of a sudden become rather important. I think it's important. Obviously, it's important. We're bottom of the league now. And I, and I was I was reliably told by TalkSport on the way in that's the first time we've been bottom of the league since 2010, which you couldn't believe. In the first two games, yeah. yeah. No goals, no points. Yeah, which, which you know, it, it is not a good position to be in. I think it's a massive game. We, we just spoke about targets, bringing players in. You, you don't want to be bringing players in when you're rock bottom of the league. I mean, it sounds a bit of a mad thing to say because you need to bring players in. What I'm, what I'm saying is 
you need to you need to improve the mood around the club. I think if you come into the club and the, and the club are rock bottom and the manager's up against it or the players are up against it, there's negativity everywhere. I think you've got no chances in you signing. I really do. I mean, I guess some would argue that you know you cut. It's a so it's a win-win situation because you come in and make an impact, and suddenly you're the hero, whatever. But I, I just think um, if we lose or don't get a result on Sunday, you, you know, against the Wolves team that are, that, are, that are, again in a similar. Similarly negative vein. I don't think you could have picked two teams that are yeah. so up against it at the moment. Not only as teams but as clubs than than Everton Wolves. So I think the results, people, the media, everyone will jump on that and go. Whoever loses that game is going down the season because mm. they're both in equally dire situations. So I, I think there'll be a lot I, I, I on whether, whether we be, like it or not. I couldn't bear to be a good son if we lose on on Saturday. Mm. I think it'll be nasty. Already. And it's three games in, but mm. we're in a situation now where. A lot of fans, and again, we don't speak for every fan, a lot of fans are, are, are looking for change at the top. They're looking for change on the pitch. We're not getting it. So mm. that frustration is boiling and boiling. You get hammered yesterday. Worst, worst case scenario, we get beat on Saturday. I don't think Goodison Park will be a nice place for those players. Three games in, you don't want to be there. The flip side of that, if I try and be a bit positive, is what what better way to put that in the rearview mirror, that being Aston Villa, than a big win at home at Goodison on Saturday. Yeah, that's what that's a Tarkovsky said yesterday, wasn't it? I know it's been doing the rounds. Is like get on this. Is this is embarrassing? This, but as I say, it's it's what he's saying is look. The, the positive for me is we've got a chance to to right that wrong next week. Yeah. Whether we look, we've obviously spent a lot of time being negative here, but let's be honest. No Evertonian was going into that Villa game thinking we should win this. You know, we're, any any Evertonian who was going to be realistic and and knew knows where we are at the moment knows that Aston Villa are in a better place than us on the pitch, off the pitch, but more significantly they've got better players than us. Mm. So I don't think anyone was deluded enough to think we should be going to Villa and winning. It was the manner of the defeat, wasn't it? Yeah. But you're right. If we go and put that right against Wolves and we produce an opposing performance, which is better than what we've been used to in recent weeks and months, then. It is in the rearview mirror for me. I think you put yeah. it behind you and go, well, look, if we can keep beating the teams like Wolves that are in our bracket at the moment, then we're going to be okay. Um, and this is a chance for people at the club t- to make that happen. If Everton, go on sa- if Everton can get Chadams over the line this week and he starts on Saturday and in a perfect world, he scores the winner or, he's, or he has a great game with an Everton win, Everton's just a lot better, isn't it? And it's people at the club who can make this happen this week. 100% right. And that's why this week and early on in this week, is the time to get those deals done. Mm. If you know you're going to go to 30 million for Nonto and it's going to get it done, you know that going to 15, 16 million for Childs gets it done. Get it done now because it doesn't look to me like there's any more realistic targets in the offing apart from loan deals. And loan deals shouldn't be, you know, off the cards anyway, regardless of how much money we've got yeah. to spend. So the message as you're, as you're getting out there is the people at the club would be get them deals done, get them done now, get Childs into the starting 11 if it looks like Calvert Loon's going to be out because of concussion protocols get Nonto on the bench he comes off the bench after 60 minutes and, and gives us that injection that we we haven't got at the moment and I think you've got a real chance of producing a good performance a good win and completely changing the mood yeah and that, that we need that more than anything now don't we, we you, do, don't, yeah. you don't want to go into Sheffield United I don't want to sit with you next week and talk about how Sheffield United <laughs> is massive and then the transfer window's ticking down and yeah. come this time next week we'll have days left this is a big big week for Everton, um, I think that brings us to a natural close. We've had a good old moan, haven't we? Didn't even yeah, have a, uh, not even had a pint of paint. I'm still moaning. I, I always feel better after I've got all that off my chest. Um, no, thanks. For, thanks to the uh, the listeners and followers for the, the questions. They they always help. What you may have noticed as well on the table, we've got loads of um, 
old programs go, going right back to the 1930s, 1940s. You know, some of them are like less than a penny. I, I don't even know what some of them symbols mean after after there. But <laughs> something we're going to bring to the podcast in in future weeks is we're going to pick up one of these programs, maybe take a picture of it before we record. And just ask any any people out there for the memories. It might be might mean you're going up to your granddad and going, Granddad, do you remember this game yeah. or, or whatever? I think it's a nice little touch. We used to do this this week in history, didn't we? And, and so international is, breaks is perfect, isn't it? Yeah, it is, to... yeah. Get to, get some of them old programs. Go back to better times. <laughs> yeah. so we, we weren't moaning or in in some of these cases we weren't even alive. So uh, so yeah, so uh, you may have noticed that on the screen and uh, our fantastic director back there has got them them showpieced, but Look forward to getting through through some of these at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are recording at the uh, the amazing Podcafe Studios down at the Baltic Quarter in Liverpool. They are tagged on our socials. We're, we're at Across the Park PC. Anyone's interested in speaking to Podcafe, go on our socials and you'll see them tagged in our bio. Can't thank them enough for their kind hospitality and, and, and also, you know, they, they edit our shows. They have everything ready for us. Couldn't thank them enough. As always, thanks to our sponsors, Ver Clothing, Globe Gas and Heating. And thank you to you guys. I really hope you like, share and subscribe. It's going to be a tough season for us, but I think it's important that we do stick together. We've got to get behind this team and this club, whether we like it or not. Being an Evertonian is not the greatest thing in the world, and sometimes it is the greatest thing in the world. Thanks for watching, and as always, up the toffees.